Hey, it's Zaki. In this episode, we wanted to seek out a voice from the Russian immigrant community. We sat down with Noi Kunda, an Israeli-Russian born to immigrant parents. We discussed her experience as a Russian-Israeli, the customs of their community, and the challenges they face. You're listening to... Israel Underground. Israel is a country full of immigrants from many different places. Although there is variety in origin country and immigrant community makeup, you can find that many of them are Russian. In 2019, approximately 28,000 people immigrated to Israel, and more than 12,000 of them were from Russia. The major aliyah began in the 90s when the Gorbachev government allowed Jews to leave the USSR for other nations. Of the one and a half million Soviet Jews that migrated in this time period, often together with their non-Jewish family members, 60% came to Israel. Although there are notable Russian communities in Israel, such as Ashkelon or Bat Yam, today the Russian population is more or less fully integrated. Despite this, though, there are still issues that the Russian immigrant community faces that other communities don't. The Russian language has no official status in Israel and is not present on signs in many phone menus or other public areas, unlike both English and Arabic. There are cultural gaps that can differentiate people and their practices, especially as they seek to develop an identity that is both Russian and Israeli. And a major issue, perhaps dwarfing the others that I've mentioned, is Judaism, as Russian Aliyah is often scrutinized by religious authorities in Israel due to the difference between the definition of Jews legally and religiously. The law of return by which people immigrated to Israel defines being Jewish as having a Jewish parent or grandparent, as opposed to the Orthodox Jewish law, which defines it as having a Jewish mother. Because of this discrepancy, many Russian immigrants find that their Judaism is questioned, something that affects the community widely in a range of ways. For a better understanding of the experience of Russian Israelis, the cultural differences, and the challenges that they may face, we turn to Noi Kunda, a Russian Israeli student who offered to shed light on the subject and share the inside scoop of what her demographic faces. Hello, Noi. It's great to speak with you today. Um, why don't you start off and tell me who you are, what you do, and where you come from? Okay. I'm uh, Noi Kunda. I uh, study law in uh, Barilan University. Um, I was born in Jerusalem, actually, but uh, I moved to Afula. It's a city in the north um, when I was two years old. And since then, I live in Afula. Okay, great. So tell me a little bit about how your family got to Israel in the first place. Okay, so I was actually born in Israel, but uh, my parents came to Israel when they were at their, they married here, so they didn't meet there. But um, both of my parents are uh, quite uh, Zionist. My uh, father used to help build um, schools for uh, for Jews in his last couple of years in uh, the Soviet Union. I think he was around 17, so it was really important to him to come to Israel. And his whole family followed him. They came here together. It was really difficult the last couple of years there. So my mom moved here too. They are both Jews. Both of them, um, they are responsible to the uh, moving of the family to Israel. Both were really young, but um, they actually helped provide for the family. My mom walked to Ulpan in Russia, 
Ulpan is a, it's like school for Hebrew. So basically it was really difficult in the first couple of years because they came with nothing with them, almost nothing. They couldn't take anything. My mom always tells me what was her first uh, two thoughts in Israel. The one thing was that uh, she came in June and it was really, it was just 8 p.m. in the evening. The sky was black and she was in shock because it was, it was the beginning of the summer, so how can it be? And the second thing was that it was so hot that she didn't know how, how is she supposed to breathe. Yeah, I imagine that's uh, definitely a, a, a very, very big change from, from life in Russia to, you know, early sundowns and high temperatures. She's from Moscow, so it's a really big change. Okay. So, so you made your way to, uh, your, your family made its way to Israel, uh, to Israel and you, you started your, your kind of Israeli life here. I mean, you, you are through and through an Israeli, right? Born and raised here. Yeah. Um, so... Tell me a little bit about, you know, everybody knows Israel is, it's made up of these immigrant communities of, you know, uh, people who come from different places. I want to know a little bit more about what's unique about the experience of Russian immigrants as opposed to the other uh, immigrant communities and populations that are, that are here in Israel. Russians and Ethiopians were the last to come here, so... It's a little bit harder because most of the Jews in here are already kind of um, used to this place and every Aliyah made fun of the others. After a couple of years when new people come, you just make fun of them because you don't understand them. And I think that uh, one of the most unique things was that uh, most of them most of the people who came here were secular and uh, a lot of families were, weren't really Jew, Jewish families. Uh, they had like one Jewish grandma or something. And uh, it affects um, the reaction of people who raised here towards the um, newcomers. Okay, interesting. So how does that, you know, that that history kind of translate into everyday life? Is there uh, a big par between um, the the day to day life of a Russian Israeli versus um, I don't know your run of the mill typical Israeli? Yeah, um, you just try to manage the different lives when you raised in one place and then you came to another. You have have like these traditions and stuff that are really matter to you when you're young and now they're like less important and so in my house I used to watch Russian TV shows when I was little uh, when I was a child but uh, also I watched Israeli TV shows and they know how to speak both languages my Hebrew is a lot better than my Russian but I have this kind of things, Russian things that are really important to me, such as uh, food I like, movies I grew up watching, and jokes and everything. I, I feel like I have um, two cultures inside me, and I, I was born here. I'm, I feel like I'm uh, a lot more Israeli than uh, Russian. In my house, we always eat... Um, different food there is this um this soup that it has uh, different versions in all over the world 
um, chicken soup. So we can eat this. We can eat the Russian version. We can eat the Yemen version, and we can eat the Moroccan version. Okay, so you have a lot of options, uh, just in in how to how to live your day to day life, even down to the soup that you're eating. So that's uh, that's that's pretty interesting stuff. Tell me a little bit more about the the challenges in finding a kind of you know a balance between culture from your home and culture from your you know society from you know maybe the the Russian culture that you're inherently a part of. How do you how do you find that balance and and are there any kinds of challenges that that you face in that process? It's a little bit hard to find balance because um, I feel like one of the cultures is a lot stronger. Even my parents, I feel like they're much more Israeli than Russians. They came here thirty years ago, so um, you try to to still like the same things, the same music, but you evolve, you you learn new things and then um, your uh, perspective on things changes. Um, sometimes you have to pass things in order to be part of, like uh, when my, um, my cousins came here when they were four and five, and uh, when my grandpa called them to go home in Russian, uh, kids used to make fun of the, her voice. Until now, my grandma tries not to talk to them in Russian when they're around people. So um, it's like things that are uh, in you. And as we speak, my mom uh, brought me a note. A note she wanted me to say that um, she didn't expect Israelis um, to love her, but she didn't expect them to hate her. And sometimes uh, it feels like Israelis hate us. So I, I definitely want to touch more on that. Talk to me a little bit about the um, the idea of maybe racism towards uh, immigrant communities, specifically towards the. The, the Russian population in Israel. Can you expound on, on what's going on there? Before the interview, we spoke a little bit and you mentioned the idea of overt and covert racism um, in this kind of area. And I wanna hear you uh, speak a little bit more about that. Okay, so I actually don't really feel racism towards me um, because I don't really have an accent and my name is a Israeli name and uh, I, I was born here, but um, sometimes I just see this kind of stuff when I don't expect it. Like uh, once I read uh, in the internet a comment, someone just wrote how to, how can I avoid and destroy um, the Russian smell at my house, which is coming from my air conditioner. I was in shock. What is Russian smell? What does it mean? Sometimes uh, I hear stories and sometimes I, I see the reaction of uh, people towards my parents. Like one time we had like a small argument with another family about uh, where to sit. And they just started, they heard my mom's accent and they started to scream and to swear a lot. Like um, you're not belong here. We're the one who... Uh, who took you in here and we didn't have to, all of you are Christians and um, you, you wasn't supposed to come here and you should be grateful to even be here. And of course, a lot of other words, which I prefer not to 
tell. Um, there are a lot of stigmas about uh, Russian uh, women. Sometimes there is racism, which you don't really, uh, you can't really say that it's racism, but you, you understand like um, the marriage laws in Israel. A lot of people are not really Jewish because um, I can give you a, an example. Their mother is, is Christian, their father is a Jew and they came to Israel because um, you can if you have uh, even a grandma who is a Jew and they can't marry here because um, Israeli family laws um, means that um, only Jews can marry Jews, Christian can only marry Christians. This kind of people are in a really big trouble. They can't marry in here to the people who, who they love. They have to convert to Judaism or marry in a different country. And uh, a lot of times um, people try to prove that they're Jewish. Um, my mom had to bring her mother before the wedding to speak in Yiddish to prove that she's a Jew. And uh, sometimes after a couple of decades, you, you realize that uh, they put, put it in question. They're not sure that you're Jewish anymore. Sometimes I think it's not just uh, in order to like keep the law. They don't want to let us in. Like um, you don't want people who are different from you to, to be part of your legacy and part of your um, religion. And always very afraid. I mean, not all of the Israeli people, but a lot of people are afraid that uh, it's gonna cause a mixed marriage and um, there won't be a lot of Jews because of that. Um, but it's actually really humiliating. My boyfriend had to comfort convert to uh, to Judaism. The most important reason was that he always felt like a Jew. Um, he was born here and he went to a um, religious school and uh, Judaism is really important for him, but uh, no one like, um, everyone acted like he wasn't one. So it was really important for him, but sometimes it's not important to people. They just want to get married in here. And uh, you always like hear this uh, different comments like uh, about Nove God. Uh, should I explain what it is? Yeah, I think we're, we're going to touch on that momentarily. I just want to kind of follow up the idea of um, your boyfriend feeling the, the pressure to convert after the conversion process. How's that going for him? You know, is there is there kind of a sense of relief and, and acceptance? Uh, at this point, or is he still kind of facing a little bit of adversity um, despite the efforts that he's put in? I think it's a, it's a relief for him because it was always important to him and he was afraid that he won't be able to convert. Um, it wasn't just because of marriage, because he's just uh, 21, but um, it's a thing that was really important to him, but uh, sometimes it, it makes... Um, it makes problems like um, like the diversity that you mentioned. I mean, he's he's Russian. I'm Russian. It's um, it's a part of us, but it's not the only part. And sometimes people just um, mention this part. I had 
a friend that told me that she will never marry a, a convert Jew because it's it's not um it's not a proper Jew if he converted. Yuck. <laughs> That's a uh... No, no good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's let's um, take a step from this for now. And uh, I, I, you mentioned the idea of Novigod. Um, I have a very, very base knowledge of what Novigod is. Would you like to elaborate a little bit and explain uh, kind of what we're what we're talking about? Yeah, um, Novigod is actually um, the beginning of the new year, the first of January. But um, in Russia, it's the biggest holiday because um, in the communist uh, era, no one, uh, no one would let you celebrate things. You just celebrated things which were connected to communism. It was the only holiday that wasn't connected to communism. So it was really important for all of the people. Um, the traditions are just eating Russian food and putting the like uh, it's weird for me to call it Christmas tree but it's like uh, like I describe it that way but it has a different name and religion wasn't really allowed mm-hmm. in Russia in those years so uh, it wasn't connected to religion at all um, so it, it's like it's a secular holiday and um, you don't really do a lot of things. You just sit home with your family and um, eat, drink, celebrate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's 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 fantastic. And, and and you mentioned that the idea that you know maybe that's not something that's um, you know it was challenging kind of not to see that as a, a part of Israeli culture. Every year, I hear a lot of comments about this holiday. Many people think that it's a religious Christian holiday because they just uh, confuse between this and Christmas, and uh, they don't really understand that um, you couldn't celebrate Christmas in Russia, so it's not really connected. Because of that, you can always hear comments about um, that you have another uh, new year, Rosh Hashanah, and uh, the Jewish New Year, and you don't need to celebrate this holiday. And the roots of it are Christian roots. And uh, one time I explained what this holiday means to, to a girl in my class, and she just asked me after this, so are you a Jew? And I was really hurt by that because I just explained her for two, for 10 minutes that it's not connected to religion. So why do you ask me if I'm Jewish? And yeah, I'm Jewish, but it doesn't mean I can celebrate something that is part of my tradition. And I don't think we should choose between uh, cultures. Sometimes you just have both of them and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And you feel like that's something that's lacking um, in in Israeli culture, the idea of, you know, having multiple cultures that aren't uh, necessarily related to each other. Yeah, I think it's a problem for all the people. I mean, you have racism towards all the people in Israel, I think. But um, because it happened only a few decades ago, it didn't really end. You can hear it less than uh, you used to, 
but you still feel it sometimes. So it's just make you wonder, um, is it worth it? I mean, not for me because I grew up here, but people who came here a lot of uh, times were just went after that to another country. There is actually a, a Facebook group that talks about like the experiences of um, Russian of Russians that came to Israel, uh, and all all of the experiences, almost almost all of them. Um, are talking about uh, the difficulties and how weird was it to come to Israel and how people treat them. A lot of Russians um, used to have really good jobs in Russia and in Israel they couldn't find a job. So for example, my, uh, my grandpa was, uh, he ran a department in a hospital. He was in the Red Army for a couple of decades and in here he couldn't practice medicine anymore and it's just one case you have a lot of cases like that and then you have like stigmas of of people on you like um, you're not good enough and you can't understand the language and uh, you're so different so why should we let you in wow so that's uh that's pretty tough there seems to be a lot of um I guess, negativity towards, towards these immigrant populations and the idea that, you know, they're, they're coming with, with a a non-shared background. So that's, uh, that's definitely really tough. I really, I want to thank you for sharing your experience, but is there anything else that you'd like to share that we maybe didn't mention um, about the life of a Russian immigrant in Israel? It's a small thing, but it's really important to me to say that, um, I really feel Israeli and Israel is like a big part of me and uh, Judaism is a really big part of me. I'm coming from a traditional house and family. I think that uh, my family thinks that too, but um, we have like a long way to come through all the Russians, but it's a lot better the last couple of years. And I think it's these problems are just gonna disappear in a few decades because you just mix traditions and then everyone get, gets used to you and you get used to your new country. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, I see you as an Israeli and I hope that you see me the same way. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Thank you for, for sharing your experience, Noi. And uh, we look forward to, uh, you know, more, more appreciation and more respect towards uh, people of different cultures and more integration of those, uh, of those cultures. Thank you. After the interview, Noi added that in her eyes, the Russian community has succeeded in integrating healthily in Israeli society, despite the difficulties. We're happy to hear that she feels this is a story of success, and we're glad that we had the opportunity to raise awareness regarding the challenges the community still faces today. Thanks for listening. We're excited to keep the show going. If you have any suggestions for topics or people whose voices should be heard, drop us a line. You can send us a message on anchor.fm slash Israel underground. Israel Underground is written and produced by Eden and Zaki Farber-Hennison. All additional audio is used under Creative Commons. Thanks for listening.